Welcome to another episode of Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And on this episode, we will be taking things to the Bay Area. We're going to talk to Mr. Kyle Madsen, who is the managing editor of the 49ers Wire and, of course, producer at 95.7 The Game, among other things. We're going to talk a little NFC Championship and a little... Dallas Cowboys versus 49ers kind of revisit that game too. Now, of course, you know, there is a connection between me and Kyle, and we're going to talk about that and it has something to do with the AFC South. You're not going to want to miss that. But of course, before we get into the show, I'm going to thank you all for listening to my show. And if you like what you're listening to, you can follow the show, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio. Just uh, go to those places and subscribe, you know, whatever it is, click a button, whatever you must do. And also there's a notification button on Spotify and other areas as well. Now with Spotify, there's also a way you can rate the show. If you like what you're listening to, five stars is definitely preferred. And on Apple Podcasts, there is a way to rate the show there. Of course, five stars is preferred and you can rate the show or excuse me review the show now of course we're getting our conversation with mr kyle madison but of course up first is the get it off your chest segment now i'm going to stick to the west coast but i'm not going to stick to a particular team on the west coast however they do train out there i will give them that that is the dallas cowboys now the hope for many Dallas Cowboys fans is what this is that this was the year that they would break through. They would make it to the NFC title game or better yet, the Super Bowl. However, that did not happen. They lost to the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional round. And, you know, it just wasn't necessarily their day. It is what it is. But, hey, it happened. They lost to the 49ers, 19-12. Physical, tough football game. However, they just could not muster enough to win. Now, after this game, of course, there was the talk of Dak Prescott. He seems to be the most famous person to bring in when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys and not reaching where they need to go. Now, here are, his here are his numbers. 23 for 37, 206 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Not exactly pretty. And even looking at the two interceptions that he threw, one of them, you know, one of them was the, the defensive back ran the route for the actual wide receiver and picked it off. I mean, I don't know who he's looking at that play. The other one, you know, of course, he glanced off a couple people and 
you know, in terms of hitting their hands and Fred Warner picks off the pass when they're in position to at least kick a field goal, by the way. So a couple of those different things happen. You know, he's taken a lot of the blame. Of course, you know, he's a highly paid quarterback. Uh, and a lot of people don't think he is the guy. And I totally get it. In the system that they're running, Dak Prescott isn't the guy. Because if you look at their team, they throw the they ask him to throw the football a lot, sometimes 30, 30 some odd, 40 times a game almost. And in looking at just the history of Dak Prescott, that's not what needs to happen. Now, I know you're paying Dak Prescott to be the top five quarterback or whatever you want to say. And now he's not a quarterback that is in the bottom 15, if you want to put him that way, or in the, the <clears throat> he's right there around the fringe of 10, just to be honest. But for them to win, he's not going to be a guy that can carry them throwing the football consistently. He can't do it. But if I am the Dallas Cowboys, would I get rid of him? No. Dallas Cowboy fans and there are other fans, fans saying they just should get rid of him or he's not the guy and things like that. Well, technically he might be the guy. You're just going to have to change your philosophy just a little bit. Here's what I mean. With Dak Prescott, he needs to throw it about 25 a game at max. That's as many times as he needs to throw the football. What else needs to happen is, of course, the running game. The running game, you've got to get that going. And I know Tony Pollard's out. He, he broke a ball in his leg. I know it. Fibula, 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 tibia, one of the two. But anyway, broke a ball in his leg. Um, and, of course, he's going to be out for a while rehabbing that. Uh, I think about three months, they said. But um, he's a free agent. Of course, you got Ezekiel Elliott, who is not the same guy that he once was. Just isn't. But the thing is, they have to definitely lean or balance out the running game. They ran the ball 22 times for 76 yards, which is not very good. But they threw it 37 times. That's not a lot of balance. The thing they need to do is balance. The game wasn't out of hand for them for them to throw the football more than they ran it. For them to win a championship with Dak Prescott, they have to have a balanced offense. You cannot throw the ball way more than you pass it. I mean, than you run it. You just can't. You can't. You got to be a little bit more even. You know, use the play-action pass. That is where Dak will be at his best. And until they do those types of, types of things... You're going to keep setting up Dak for failure. You're going to keep setting up this team for failure. Take the pieces you have and make them work for you. Don't go trying to throw the football 40 times a game and think it's going to work. No. Run the football. Control the clock. Play action passes. You got weapons. Make it happen from there. But it is what it is. But I still think Dak can be the quarterback for them to win however some philosophy definitely has to change all right that's my get it off your chest segment for this episode we're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back you're going to hear my conversation with kyle madsen on touring the afc south going through some things and not quite sure who to turn to well let me tell you about peace of mind counseling and life coaching 
They offer services ranging from mental health counseling, parenting classes, life coaching services, therapy, alcohol and drug assessments, and so much more. And all the services are monitored by licensed supervisors. Also, they're currently offering free consultations for counseling or life coaching. All you need to do to get started is reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930-1230 to get started. Again, you can reach out to them online at www.peacemindclc.com or give them a call at 615-930-1230. So if you feel you need to talk to someone or know someone that needs to talk to someone, Take the time to reach out to Peace of Mind Counseling and Life Coaching, where the motto is, it costs you your peace of mind, then it is too expensive. Welcome back to Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And of course, this weekend is championship weekend in NFL. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. But we're going to talk about that one uh, a little later in the week. This episode, we're going to talk about the San Francisco 49ers heading east to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. And I want to bring somebody that has got a very, very much, is very much familiar with the San Francisco 49ers. And of course, he's out there on the West Coast. Some call it the best coast. But, you know, hey. He's out there on the West Coast. He does a lot of different things. He is a producer for 95.7 The Game out there, co-host on the Candlestick uh, Chronicles. I mean, editor, uh, managing editor for the 49ers Wire. I mean, what does he not do? Mr. Kyle Madsen, what's going on, man? What's going on, bro? It's crazy. Like, (laughs) if you told me at 20 that my life would revolve around the 49ers like this, that it just been like an obsession my whole life, I would have, I would have jaw on the floor. I'm very, very lucky. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. But uh, I want to kind of introduce everyone to how we met. And it wasn't with the 49ers. It was actually with the Tennessee Titans because I was writing for Titans Wire and you actually were the managing editor there. Now, I've got to ask, you're coming from the West Coast. You're, you're in the West Coast doing this. So kind of, how was it? How rough was it to actually be doing that? <laughs> a central time zone team and you're on the West Coast like two hours behind? Yeah, it wasn't as bad like as you'd, as you'd think. Um, there was definitely some stuff like that would happen earlier in the morning because when I was doing that, I wasn't doing radio at the time. So if something if something broke, like the Mike Malarkey firing, I had, because the, the Titans came out like the night before, and there was a report that said like they're not gonna fire him. So I wrote that and I posted it and I go to bed and at like five a.m. my time on I think it was a Saturday they fired him, <laughs> and so so I get my I get, I wake up to my phone buzzing because I'm getting texts and Slack messages and stuff. So that was the only time it really like it really affected me that that my, the the team I covered was in a different time zone. But uh, I like I liked doing the Titan stuff, man. That was fun. And it was it was interesting, man. I, you know, the one thing that it, it took a while for me to get used to is like I couldn't really write like 500, 600 word articles. You're like, nah, two fifty, 
250. Yeah, just 200, keep it tight. <laughs> <laughs> I still get I still get busted for that all not busted for it, but my boss is like, dude, do less. It's uh, it's so hard. It's so freaking hard. Now I gotta ask, how'd you get started just there? Did it just throw you with that team? Was the one only team available, or you just you know, hey, give me that team if I've got to pick from one. <laughs> no, so I was a contributor for Niners Wire. My buddy Chris, a very good friend of mine, Chris Biederman, who I now do the podcast with was the managing editor for Niners Wire, and he needed a contributor, and I wasn't doing anything at the time, so I was like, yeah, I'll write for you. Uh, well, the the guy running the the Wire sites at the time liked the work I did, and when they launched Titans Wire, they needed an editor for it, and so he asked if I wanted to do it, and I was like, of course, because I had just moved. So real quick, long story short, I was living in Arizona not doing media, and I wanted to do media, so I moved back home to the Bay Area, uh, lived with my parents. There's my cat, sorry lived with my parents and and was just trying to get any media job I could. So when I get this call from the boss of this company that I'm working for, making a hundred bucks a month or whatever it was, he goes, Hey, do you want to be the managing editor of Titans wire? I knew like, like Derek Henry and Marcus Mariota and like DeMarco Murray. And that was it. Like that was the extent of my <laughs> Titan knowledge and Delaney Walker, of course, 49ers legend. And I was like, yeah, man, I got you. I can do Titans for sure. So I got on Game Pass when it was NFL Game Pass and uh, just watched as many Titans games as I could to try and familiarize myself with uh, with the team. Did a lot of reading, got hooked up with a ton of Titans fans uh, and, and just talking to those guys. Uh, I, I still follow the Titans quite a bit, even though I don't you know, write for them anymore. Uh, it's an interesting team to follow for sure. Definitely. And definitely was an interesting year for them uh, and not in a good mm. way. <laughs> no, but it's uh, tough. Uh, yeah, yeah. But now, of <laughs> course, you are the magic editor for Niners Wire, and you know, gotta ask you, you know, you got all these different things going on, man. All things Niners, man. How do you kind of balance all that? Um, working smarter, not harder. <laughs> if <laughs> if there's something, so what we just talked about, like writing less, like just less words helps um trying not to put too much into like a specific post and then repackaging things i use on niners wire like in the podcast like hey here's this thing i wrote at niners wire let's podcast on this topic and it allows us to expand a little bit um same thing with radio like hey here's something i wrote let's have you guys because i produce the two hosts do the do the talking so i'm like let's have you guys talk about this thing that that this topic i had so it's a lot of repackaging, a lot of the same stuff, um, spinning it different ways. Um, but man, I, I I feel like I'm so enveloped with the 49ers that there's always something to talk about. There's always something going on. And and it's really crucial to, you know, like after this, I'm going to go have dinner with my, my wife and my family and uh, still trying to balance that social side of it too. But I mean, it's, it's sports at the end of the day. Like it's not like I'm doing backbreaking manual labor, so. Uh, it's part of my life all the time. Right, right, man. Yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely an interesting task to try to find the balance for sure. And uh, yeah, we we all kind of still go through trying to find that that balance of you know life and yep. <laughs> writing sports. And I mean, you have the honor and privilege of doing it all the time. Of course, you know I got the day job and then do it after the day job. So you know, trying to find my way there a little more. But we'll I see, see grinding, bro. I see you. <laughs> Eh, trying to do what I can, do what I can. <laughs> but 
Of course, we do have to talk about the Niners, and we do have to talk about the Cowboys. Now, that game was probably the biggest draw of the weekend, of course, and it came down to the wire. 49ers prevail. Of course, there's a few things to talk about. And, of course, there's probably Niners fans that are still a little bit, you know, kind of in their feels, and especially in their feels about Kyle Shanahan's play call. <laughs> so some of the, the play calling, uh, you know, you're watching the game, you're like, uh, I don't know what he's kind of trying to figure out here. He's, yeah. saying, he's calling the game like he's a little tight. So what what did you think about his play calling on Saturday against the Cowboys? I thought he called that game like he knew it was going to be a 19 to 12 type of game. Not exactly that, but like low scoring. And we see him do that all the time. And he's done that since 2017, really. And I think he does this in games where he doesn't think the offense is going to going to break through. Like we've seen him so in the wild card round against against the Seahawks. There was never like a panic or a a tight conservative moment. Like they just kind of called their game and they were down a point at the half, but they they I think Shanahan knew at some point they were going to get rolling. But when you looked at the way Dallas was defending them and when Purdy did have time in the pocket, there was just nobody open. And I think Shanahan called the game like the goal was just to not turn it over. And the goal was to not put the defense in a bad spot. And eventually like something would happen and they would get ahead and they were able to stay ahead. And that's what it was. So I thought, I thought it was definitely more him trying to avoid like, because Dallas's defensive line just ate all night. And I think he was trying to avoid Brock Purdy, who's been really good at avoiding mistakes, making a mistake. Because at the end of the day, as good as he's been, he's still a rookie. He's still a seventh-round pick. And I think the goal was just don't turn it over, and they were going to win. And I think that's kind of how he called the game. Well, he definitely came close one time to turning it over. Except, uh, Trayvon Diggs just just – couldn't uh couldn't hold on to the football that time. Yeah. There was another one too, but hey, I digress. Down um, by the goal line with uh Brandon yes. Ayuk knocking it away. Yep. Yep. Definitely, definitely. Now, of course, the defense of the 49ers, you've got to talk about them. They definitely did some things, had a couple turnovers, and you know, they definitely did their thing, and everybody expected that. Mm-hmm. Nobody expected George Kittle to have the fumbling, bumbling, stumbling catch. They kind of ignited the offense. I mean, can you say that was the most pivotal play of that game? Oh, um, yeah. Outside of like, outside of like Trevon Diggs dropping the interception, like you just mentioned, and then the the holding call because Dallas got that sack on a third down in the red zone on the Niners touchdown drive, but there was the holding call, uh, the defensive holding against the guy. I think it was Deron Bland covering George Kittle, but those two plays don't happen without the Kittle. Uh, juggling catch like that was the play that I, I I think opened things up for the Niners in a way that I don't I don't think without that play they were scoring a touchdown on that drive so there were a couple other key key moments for sure but that was the that was that was the catalyst for everything I think so incredible catch and I think catch of the year if for for the 49ers certainly the most important one i don't know if it's the best one but it was definitely the most important for those that have checked out my picture my new picture for my you know graphics for my podcast 
you can tell I have a new image, an updated image, a professional looking image. It's time for you to take control of your image. And you can take control of your professional image with a fresh set of headshots by the good folks of Joshua Silver's Photography. Let Josh at Joshua Silver's Photography handle your personal branding, business headshots, portrait, or any other photographic need with great pricing and even better quality. You can reach him via phone at 423-557-6746. Once again, that's 423 423- five five seven six seven four six you can also reach him at instagram at joshua silvers photography or you can reach him on facebook call joshua silvers photography and get yourself booked today i know i did and he's got me looking great Definitely, definitely. Now, of course, we're not going to get caught up too much into that one, but we're going to go over to the next one, which is the Philadelphia Eagles. They just demolished the New York football Giants. Never close. Boy, oh boy. That was crazy. Not at all. Not at all. That was wild. Now, (laughs) Now, this is probably going to be one of the most raucous environments that Purdy has gone into. So what's going to be, you think, is going to be the challenge for him and Kyle Shanahan in terms of, you know, you're bringing in a young quarterback into a raucous environment. Yeah. So his first road game, he doesn't have a ton of road experience, but his first road game was a Thursday night in Seattle in a game that decided the NFC West and Seattle's not a tough place to play. It was a third or is a tough place to play. It was a Thursday night. He was hurt. Purdy was, he didn't even throw during the week. Uh, because he had an oblique and, and rib injury. And he managed it okay. Like, honestly, managing the environment is the the last thing I'm really worried about with Brock Purdy at this point. But to that end, this is also the biggest game he's played in. And Philly, I think, is just a little bit different. And there's that, like, aura about it, right? You just know going into the link, like, hey, something crazy is going to happen. So I, I, I'm I'm less concerned about that than than I might be if if Purdy hadn't just shown kind of throughout his starts, whether it's home or road, that he just has this composure that doesn't really seem to be he's unflappable, I guess you could say. Um but that's I mean maybe maybe something changes with, with the stakes, but I don't have any evidence to think that that going into Philadelphia is gonna shake him in a way that that going to Seattle or going to Vegas or or wherever did. Gotcha. Now, quarterback that has definitely been equally unflappable, if not more unflappable, would be Jalen Hurts. Now, Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts is uh, definitely putting up MVP numbers. I mean, people want to say it's Patrick Mahomes, but hey, you, you can't sneeze at any numbers that Jalen Hurts has put up passing and throwing yeah. the football. So going against a quarterback, a mobile quarterback that can throw the football very, very well, what is the, the the biggest challenge that the 49ers defense has in facing him? Gosh, I this is where I like when I try and talk myself into the Niners winning, I, I'm having a really hard time doing it because of this. So <laughs> so if you go back and and I know Nick Bosa didn't play, there's two there's two things there with this. There's the mobile aspect, right? Like they've just struggled in general. I know every team struggles for the most part with mobile quarterbacks, but the Niners in in especially even in 2019 they have this great defense but mobile quarterbacks just kind of killed them 
And I don't know if it's over aggressiveness or what, but in week six against the, the Falcons, Nick Bosa didn't play, but Marcus Mariota ran all over them and they looked like they had never defended a read option before. Like it was alarming. And when you're going against a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, their their track record with defending a play that he's really good at is is not great. So if I'm the Niners in that in that regard, I'm just hitting Jalen Hurts every time and making him hand it off and not letting Jalen Hurts run for 95 yards. If Miles Sanders is going to go for 200, then Miles Sanders is going to go for 200. Tip your hat. But they can't let Jalen Hurts beat him on the ground. But let's say they're not going to run it. Let's say his shoulder is bad and they don't want him taking hits. Well, he's excellent throwing the ball down the field. 20-plus yard throws, he completed 40% of them. And you measure those about how you measure three-pointers, right? Like a good three-point percentage is 40%, and that's about what he completes them at. And it's 11 touchdowns, and it's three picks, and it's J.J. Brown, and it's Devontae Smith. They just have so many weapons down the field, and the Niners have really struggled at that this year. They've not defended the deep ball well. I think in part um, because of their cornerback play with with Diomedor Lenore, he's really struggled on on those deep throws, the second-year corner out of, out of Oregon. But Jimmy Ward has had to play in the slot this year, and Tayshawn Gibson, who, God love him, is not as rangy as Jimmy Ward is. So the Niners in 2019 were the best team in the league at defending big plays and not allowing big plays. And this year, they're they're not great at that. And I think it's because Jimmy Ward is down in the box and not playing that free safety spot. So I think that's something that Philly can have success with. Even if the Niners shut down that run game, I think you're going to see Jalen Hurts take a lot of deep shots. And it wouldn't surprise me if he completes a bunch of them. Oh, boy. That's something yeah. to worry about if, if the Tough. Niners are uh, – hmm. Okay. They're in now, a bad spot. As far as the, not in a good now, spot. <laughs> <laughs> now, you kind of alluded to it, but, you know, the San Francisco 49ers uh, secondary, not necessarily the strongest suit of the team mm-hmm. uh, in terms of a, a whole. I'm not saying that Mr. T back there, that's what I call him. I call him Mr. T. But, um, you know, I'm not saying that he's he's not a, a beast back there uh, coming up, you know, the blitzes and things like that and making plays. However, just as a total – not necessarily the greatest secondary, and you're going against a Philadelphia wide receiver crew that has Swole Batman, A.J. Brown, and you've got uh, Devontae Smith as well, you know, and you've got uh, a few other people that can make some things happen. Of course, you know, the tight end uh, Goddard uh, as well. I mean, what, the, you know, what what do you say is going to have to help more? You know, I know the pass rush is going to have to help, but do you think uh, D'Amico is going to have to definitely mix up a few coverages Uh, during the game to kind of throw things off. Yeah, for sure. If you try, and that's what D'Amico Ryan's really good at, and that's why he's one of the top head coaching candidates. He's brilliant when it comes to disguising coverages, uh, taking away uh, a team's top receiver, or like last week, CeeDee Lamb had 10 catches for 117 yards, and then Dalton Schultz was second on the team with five catches and 27 yards. Like CeeDee Lamb got his, and that was really kind of it. So... They're not going to be able to do that because if you let Devontae, Devontae Smith or, or A.J. Brown eat, they're, they're going to go for 250 and a couple touchdowns, and that's, that's untenable. <laughs> but I think that if there's any defensive coordinator who's going to figure out how to move pieces around the board to confuse Jalen Hurts here and there and take away a specific route that they really like with A.J. Brown in, in, in a certain spot or – just taking Dallas Goddard out of the game with either Talanoa Hufanga or Jimmy Ward or, or Fred Warner, whoever it is, I I think you're you're spot on. Whatever we see, it's not going to be like, yeah, hey, the Niners played 98% cover two and one. 
it's not going to be that because the Eagles are going to figure that out. So I do think they're going to mix it up. I, I think that we're, we maybe see them blitz a little more than than we're used to to seeing the Niners just because they might want to eliminate deep shots with making with making Hurts get the ball out of his hands. And I just don't think that their pass rush is going to win one-on-one against an offensive line as good as Philly's. So and we're going to see maybe more blitzing than we're used to seeing. And I think we're going to see a mix and match some coverages because – I don't think they have the players like you alluded to, to, to go man across the board. Um, but I also think that, that Philly's going to cook if the Niners just sit back in zone all game. So I'm expecting a blitz heavy game and, and a couple of, a couple of different tricks coverage wise from, from Ryan's. Yeah. We'll definitely see what the uh, potential head coach in the NFL or potential head coach in waiting does with the Philadelphia offense. Now, the Philadelphia defense isn't anything, isn't anything to sneeze at either. I mean, they're pretty physical up front. You have ten, you have four guys with at least ten sacks, which is unheard of. It's crazy. And you have a one A and one B corner in Slay and, and Bradbury, which people forget about Bradbury. But I mean, he's pretty solid in his own. He's a former Pro Bowler himself. It's unbelievable so. that the Giants just let him walk. Just, just <laughs> kind of like, like that was insane. And and Philly, Gra- I was like. Philly just got James Bradbury just for nothing, just for, like that. And this is not a huge deal. That's wild. Yeah. James Bradbury is a really good player. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, of course, uh, the biggest thing that I, I look at in this game is the Philadelphia Eagles versus the run. Now, I know when Jordan Davis went out, that's when they kind of got exploited a little bit. They brought in Dominican Sue, brought in uh, another guy. I cannot remember. Limbaugh Joseph. Now, yes. Limbaugh Joseph. They brought both of those guys in, kind of stuffed the things up and run. But, you know, to me, I believe that the run game is going to be a potential equalizer, a potential way to kind of, uh, I guess, control the game. Uh, would you see that potentially that way, or do you do you still kind of think a few other things have to happen? Um, I think it's what the Niners are going to try to do. And I think they're going to do stuff like make Hassan Reddick, who had an excellent year. I think he had like like 17 sacks, but he had a really good year. But he's not a great tackler. Can you get him one-on-one in space with Christian McCaffrey and make him make a play there? Um, I, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to run the ball inside. Uh, maybe with, with, with some creativity with, with George Kittle and Charlie Warner and their tight ends and Kyle Juszczyk, their fullback maybe moving some bodies around, but I don't think they're just going to be able to line up and run it down the Eagles' throats. They're going to have to get creative. Um, I think we see them attack the edges a lot and and make Philly's edge players make plays in space. Um, but that defensive front, man, when, when I talk about the Eagles' offense and their ability to complete deep balls and the Niners' struggles there, you look at the Eagles' defensive line and, okay, they don't have a game wrecker on the level of Micah Parsons, but they're – five, six guys deep on the interior with 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 guys who are better than than whatever Dallas has on the interior. And Dallas cooked the Niners' interior offensive line. So that's a huge concern, and it's one of those things that I don't know what the Niners do over the course of this week to just fix that. And if the Eagles are going to cook on the inside, I just I – don't, I don't know if the Niners are going to have a ton of answers on the ground or in the air. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Now, I'm going to ask, uh, of course, uh, you are a producer at 95.7 The Game out there in the Bay Area. And I know you're probably fielding some calls about the 49ers probably this entire week or probably have so far. 
So what has been one of the biggest points of contention or the biggest talks on radio this week? Ooh, um, a lot. Honestly, it's kind of wild. A lot of it has had to do with there's been some stuff about Shanahan being conservative. Um, there's been a lot of I would say it's kind of split 50 50, maybe closer to 60 40 on people who are like 60% people who are just super confident. Like Philly isn't, you know, Philly hasn't seen a team like the Niners and, and the, the link isn't scary and this and that, and the Niners are going to go win. And uh, then it's like 40% people who have that, the, the phrase du jour has been appropriate fear. Like understanding that Philadelphia is really damn good. And, and, and the best team the Niners have played, I think this year with all due respect to, to Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs, I think Philly on on both sides of the ball is just a more uh, well balanced team than 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 Kansas City is. So um, I think it's about sixty forty that, um, and then it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, Brock Purdy talk. Just the future. <laughs> that's always been that's been the case with him since he beat Miami. It's like is this guy the future? That's just always going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, of course, uh, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to make a pick or anything like that at this point. But uh, I think the Eagles are going to win. Ah, okay. Yeah. All Just right. to get, I've, I'll, I'll give you one. I think the Eagles are going to win. Okay. Give me like 24 right. 17. Well, there we have it. There we yeah. have it. But of course, we have reached the end of the show, but we have not reached the all, all the way to the end. Of course, oh. we have a game. Five questions, two answers, one choice. Are okay. you ready? I'm dialed in. All right. It's going to got San Francisco flavor to it, so this ought Beautiful. to be fun. All right. We got Ricky Waters or Roger Craig. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking Roger Craig because Roger Craig should be in the Hall of Fame. It's unbelievable that he's not a Hall of Famer. The first guy to go a thousand yards rushing for uh, and a thousand yards receiving in the same year revolutionized the running back position. Um, Marshall Falk, Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, excellent, excellent players. Probably not the players they were without Roger Craig kind of paving that way. So uh, Ricky Waters was awesome for sure, and and his performance in that in that ninety four season was unbelievable. But I'm 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 taking Roger Craig. All right. Let's see. You're hanging at the 49ers game. Okay. Now, this is purely spectators in this question. Okay. So I'm, I'm hanging with. Okay. No, no, no. The, the, guys, the, the guys that I'm going to gotcha. mention are purely okay. spectators. Got it. Okay. Which guy would you want to be hanging with? E40 or Jerry Rice? Oh, man. <laughs> They're both. I think so. Jerry's got better seats. He sits right there in the end zone, but I think I'd rather I think I'd rather sit with E40. I think, although Jerry's got something in his cup the whole game, I think that would probably <laughs> pass along to me. Um, yeah, I would. I I think okay. So I'm gonna say E40, and this is a me thing, because I would have if I'm sitting next to Jerry Rice, I'm asking questions the whole game. <laughs> like I'm getting his thoughts on stuff. I'm at time at timeouts. I'm asking him about Joe Montana and Steve Young and stories with, with, with 40, like God love him. I'm not asking him anything about football. 
we're going to hang out. We're going to have a great time. We're going to be fans and we're going to yell bang, bang, Niner gang. And it's going to be, it's going to be great. So I, I'm, I'm picking 40 water with all due respect to the goat, Jerry Rice. Now you're going to learn some new words too. You're oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> all right. Now I've got, you got to pick a 49er team. The 2011 49ers went 13 and three. Uh-huh. Or the 2012 49ers, 11-4-1. Mm. Do you remember where those teams finished? Yeah, 2011, they lost to the Giants in the NFC title game. <laughs> 2012 was the Colin Kaepernick year where he came in for Alex Smith and they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Ravens. Um, 2012, I'm going to go... Mm, I'm going to go with 2012 because... Like the 2011 team had that epic playoff game against the Saints, and that I was I was there, was watching with my mom, who 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 is a Niners season ticket holder. But that 2012 team was just like they came into their own that year. Alden Smith became a starter. Him and Justin Smith playing off each other. They had uh, they had that win at home uh, against Seattle, where where Frank Gore had a long run at the end, and then fell down inbounds to seal the game. They had that win in Foxborough against Tom Snow that was incredible. I watched that with a bunch of buddies at a, at a restaurant. Um, and then their playoff game that year, their their first playoff game at home against the Packers is, for, for like personal reasons, is one of my favorite, my favorite 49er game of all time. That's the one we're calling Kaepernick Rush for, I think it's 186 yards. So that, uh, that 2012 team, and I was 22 at the time, and it was really the first time in my life that that the 49ers had been good. Uh, <laughs> so that was a I was just kind of peak sports fandom at that point. Um, so yeah, 2012. Okay, all right, all right. Now I'm going to ask you this one, and I'm pretty sure you're going to think on it, and you might make a quick answer on this one. Okay. You got to pick two. Okay. Are you going to go with the combination of Willis and Bowman? Are you going to go with the combination of Warner and Greenlaw? Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking to my mom about this. We were watching the we were watching this weekend's game, and I was I was actually talking to my mom about this. It was after Fred Warner made that play against uh, against CD, where he lined up the blitz and then sprinted back and, and covered CD Lamb. So the the nostalgic fan part of me takes Willis and Bowman because those were just my dudes. Like I loved those guys. So, and, and Bowman's pick six in the last game of candlestick again, like I got chills thinking about it. So those two, but I think Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner together right now are better suited to play in the modern NFL than Willis and Bowman would be. And and frankly, vice versa. I Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are playing safety back in you know 2011. So I I Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are awesome, and they the Niners defense is not half of what it is without them. But uh, Willis and Bowman are the are the OGs. So I'm going with the OGs here. All right, all right. That's a tough one though. That's you got to respect the elders. You got to respect the elders, right? No doubt. All right, let's see. Let's think of another one I can bring up for you. Let's see. Are we gonna go? We're gonna go. Chip Kelly. No. 
or Mike Tomsula? D- Jim Tomsula. Uh, Jim Tomsula. I messed that name all the way no, up. No, it was Mike. You no, know, it was Mike because there was Mike Singletary uh, before before that. Uh, there was a Mike Nolan in there. Um, Jim Tomsula or Chip Kelly? Man, <laughs> equally bad. All right, so the Jim Tomsula team was better. But the Chip Kelly hire made more sense at the time. They went two and fourteen. They were abysmal. They were they were god awful. But I think that had less to do with Chip Kelly and more to do with just kind of where the organization was at the time. Trent Baalke had needed to go like two years before that, and I think the team knew that they weren't any good. And they had, uh, you know, Colin Kaepernick and Blaine Gabbard quarterback competitions, and it just it was not a good team. Uh, but I think Chip Kelly is a more legitimate football coach, uh, head 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 football coach, than than Jim Tom Sula, who is a dynamite defensive line coach. But that's what he should have stayed. The fact he was a head coach was a joke. Yeah, it was it was funny to me. I was trying to tout it, and I was like, ah, I can't do it. It I never made sense. It. it never made sense. <laughs> and then what? What five and five and eleven or or four and twelve or whatever? Like it wasn't a it wasn't a disaster, but uh, he had no. Yeah, the, the fact that I butchered his name ought to tell you enough about exactly. what I Dude. thought of, of, of him. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> now, uh, I have to ask, man. You know, of course, we've ended the uh, five questions to answers one choice. That's wrapping everything up. But I do have to ask. Trent Baalke is now with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. How long do you give it before he wears out his welcome there? Man, I think he did. It was what? Four years with the Niners. The yes. thing, the thing, the difference is though, is that the Jags have, uh, um, have Trevor Lawrence, and I think he's the caliber of quarterback that can kind of push a lot of that stuff under the rug. And the fact that they went out this year, and I thought the Calvin Ridley trade was pretty brilliant, and then the Christian Kirk deal I thought was a lot, but you know he played really well for them. Um, defensively, I think Trent Baalke can identify talent, but can he get out of his own way in trying to like, sometimes the frustrating thing with Trent Baalke. And the other thing he did was he built them from the interior out. So he knew the importance of establishing an offensive line and establishing a defensive line and kind of building from there. The problem was he started overthinking and he started drafting all these guys with torn ACLs and trying to redshirt them and, and just kind of just overlooking easy easy picks so if he learned from that and if he can work with doug peterson then then i think he's a decent talent evaluator um they built they built a really really good team but it was the friction with jim harbaugh it was the weird torn acl guys that (laughs) that just somehow never ever worked out yet he still kept doing it um there were some big swings and misses on guys uh early in the draft and you know, it, 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 I, I don't know if Jim Harbaugh is the easiest guy to work with. I think Doug Peterson might be a little bit, uh, more amenable to, to Trent Balky's interests. So, um, I, I would, I would, if you're telling me he's going to wear out his welcome for sure, I'd say it happens in the next few years, but I'm, I'm crossing my fingers for him that he learned something from his 49ers tenure. Well, I got some stories for you, but we can't say them on here. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but uh I definitely want to thank you for coming on. Thank you for uh giving us some knowledge about this NFC championship game from the 49ers perspective. 
greatly appreciate it. And uh, if you can tell everyone what you have going on, uh, where they can find you on social media. Yeah, I'm on. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Kyle A Madsen. Um, you can follow me on Instagram if you're into that at Mad Sports Eight. But uh, that's like a personal. I don't do like Niner stuff there. Um, NinersWire.com is where I write. Ninety-five-seven, the game in San Francisco. If you're in the Bay Area, and uh, and uh, Candlestick Chronicles, download it wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, thank you very much. That is Kyle Madsen. I am Mike Patton. This has been Torn AFC South. Thank you for tuning in, and we're out.